Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. This is your host, Lisa Tomey. I'm excited that we have David Brower here today. I believe he's sitting in California uh, right now, but he's usually spending his time in France. Lucky him. It's my dream <laughs> place to go. I guess uh, maybe in France because that's where, you know, everybody says they fall in love. I don't know. Let's hear from David. Um, how are you doing today? Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me with you today. I'm I'm beautiful. Yes, I am in uh, briefly in California here, which is nice. Is that your home away from home? Or? Oh, I grew up in California before I left to go to to Paris, but I've been in Paris now for 30 years. So <laughs> just to rub uh, it in. <laughs> <laughs> what? What made you go to Paris? Mm, probably what made me go was a desire to explore adventure and escape uh, a destiny that was one that I didn't want to have responsibility for, namely to, to go directly to law school after finishing college. And luckily, three weeks, only three weeks after I got out of college, I got on a plane and decided to take some time off because I did horribly, horribly on the LSAT. And so that was sort of the gift to me, the wake up call to say, this is not for you and you don't have to follow the crowd. And even though you can uh, you know, do great in school and in political science and all this kind of stuff, um, this is not really your path. I didn't want to become a lawyer spend my life uh, in conflict, battling people, uh, oftentimes, you know, pushing my own ethical boundaries and all these kinds of things. And even though political science was really creative, uh, probably the creative place there is. <laughs> uh, and so I found a good way to get by. You know, it's one of those things like, be careful what you get good at, because uh, maybe that's <laughs> not your path, right? So, so yeah, that's really what made me go was a desire to kind of escape and my my dad had a, a friend or a former you know lawyer actually in paris who 20 years earlier uh, and i think you'll enjoy this lisa 20 years earlier he tried to get a script to simone de beauvoir uh, and uh because it, it was he he'd had something as a producer he'd found a script about their love affair with her and jean-paul Sartre. And so he wanted to make a movie and this lawyer helped actually get the script to her. So it never happened. I think it was before it's time. And uh, since then it's been made in the last five years, something along those lines. But that's how I kind of ended up going to Paris was um, in that, you know, male boy job for the first few months. And yeah, I ended up staying, uh, gosh, a, a month ago was literally 30 years. Congratulations. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with living your dream. Absolutely nothing. Now, I, you have a really nice, nice, well done website. I'm going to share my screen and show that. Tell us a little bit about yourself, the whole story of growing up and um, kind of what you went through. So I encourage people to take a look at this to get to know David Brower. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of a thespian there, it looks like. 
<laughs> need some modeling going on there. <laughs> and the thing that uh, connected us um, to this podcast is your book, The Dance of the Love Caterpillars. And, oh my goodness, that's a wonderful book. I enjoy it very much. Oh, thank you, Lisa. So I would love for you to share with us how you came up with the dance of the love caterpillars. Mm, yeah. Well, it really goes back to 2019, uh, where uh, I unfortunately went through a, a very dramatic, uh, traumatic period of my life and my existence uh, because my beloved wife of 27 years passed away from cancer. And so uh, when that happened, uh, you know, after going through my own sort of grieving process, uh, afterwards, I was on a quest to reconnect with myself, uh, you know, the, the David, uh, the creative, fun, playful, curious, you know, vibrant David, the one who laughs at life and loves life. And uh, I started exploring ways to kind of help me do that um, and had some interesting experiences that went from going to Burning Man in that year, which was the last Burning Man actually that's happened. Uh, and interestingly, the theme there was metamorphoses, which was quite fascinating. So I had a really uh, liberating experience there, sort of last shedding of the the snake skin. And uh, following that, I had another experience in October shortly after that, which was a Vipassana 10-day silent retreat. I don't know if you know about these experiences, but it's literally 10 and a half hours a day for 10 days straight. And if you want to get in touch with yourself <laughs> or get over a bad habit or something. So anyhow, it was all in a way to, to like be able to be good with myself alone and also realized that life had given me a pretty strong blow. Uh, and my way of looking at life ideally is to always ask myself, where are the gifts? What are the lessons? What can I take from this for my own soul's journey, my own life path, and get back to loving life, which my spouse would have wanted me to, of course. And to not feel sorry for myself, to not somber in some sort of sadness or interminable grief, uh, and to, on my own timing, uh, to heal, you know, well, let's call it, but to carry on with life. And so the story came to me as a as a way to remind myself that life was still there and that serendipitous good bad and ugly things occurrences happen in our lives and in the book it's you know the the metaphor is really a lightning bolt hitting the love tree which falls down across the river and offers an opportunity there and so i really wanted to find a way to write something that would be forever available as a reminder to me that uh, I I need to start again. I want to start again to love life, to trust life, and overall to really savor the moments. 
as much as possible. Like if there's anything that these experience, this experience highlighted to me was, you know, we just don't know what tomorrow will bring. And we need to live our, our life now. And I'm not talking about some, you know, psychotic, crazy, hedonic, um, out of control, damaging to you and others, you know, just burn through all your money and, you know, screw your family. And yeah, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something more, more meaningful, more uh, purposeful, but, you know, really to pursue a life that brings you pleasure. Um, that is also hopefully at the same time purposeful. Ideally, that's how I would like my life to be. And that really equals uh, performance in life. And so I wanted to get back to that and have something to share with the world or remind people also through an allegorical storytelling that there is metamorphoses and transformation inside of um, trauma and drama. And it just felt really good for me to to get it onto paper. And I somehow also wanted to do it in a way that felt like my way of telling a story and my way of sharing. A lot of people have said to me that know me that I'm really in this story. They really feel me and see me and sense me. And that means a lot to me that it's a real expression of who I am. And I didn't just want to do poetry. I wanted to have something that would have um, illustrations. And the idea was kind of for all romantics to have a story, but it's, you know, it's for people, you know, over 15 or something really that actually, you know, can have an appreciation, let's call for romantic love potentially. And uh, I didn't want the illustrations to be either for children. I wanted it to be something that would feel more, uh, more adultish. And now even we've done an audio version with music, but I can share about that a little bit later. But the genesis really came as a, as a healing process uh, or the, the, the next step of a healing process, say, okay, now let's turn the page. Okay, now let's start again, David. Uh, okay, David, you can love life again. No guilt. You know, you've been authentic and sincere uh, and genuine and present to what has happened. And now it's time for you to, to get back to, to living and loving life. Certainly can feel that when I'm reading the book, um, it it reads, it has the elements of poetry to it. It has a short story to it. It's a, it's a nice blend of things. And I also love the artwork. Who do we give that credit to? Cheryl Vanderpoel, who is an American in Minnesota. And yeah, we just kind of randomly met online when I was looking for someone to help illustrate. And we even started over a year ago to start exploring with the story. And I got taken off track because I've never done a book like this. And I started reaching out to some people who supposedly know how to do this. And, you know, all of them told me that I can't do that. The book's too long. It's too short. You can't do illustrations with a poetry, a short story. And like, like only no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, and it, and it kind of got to me uh, on the first time around. So I kind of, we kind of called things off, even though we were exploring like how to draw the caterpillars, you know, what would the style be and the coloring and the, and, and, you know, would they have facial expressions and not, et cetera. And she was, she was very soulfully, um, attentive to to that and really wanted to translate 
what I was seeking to to do and also bringing her own unique uh, style. And yeah, I absolutely love the illustrations. It's, oh my goodness, yes. So she really picked up the vibe of what you were trying to do there. And the color choices, I mean, down to every little piece. I'm, I'm an artist too, and so I can appreciate the work that went into that. that oh, hours and hours and hours, I'm sure. <laughs> But yeah, and I'm partial. Anybody that knows me knows I'm partial to butterflies and what they represent. And mm. um, so the whole book is just very soulful to me. Yeah, really, really love it. I love I'm that. actually probably maybe I'm going on my third reading of it. I think I'm, I've lost track. I think so I'm going oh. on my third reading. But, um, I love that. Maybe we'll do a review of it. Um, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There's different layers and people have been saying that also that, you know, you, you mm -hmm. catch something a little bit different mm -hmm. each, each time. And that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. Cause I don't think for longer books, people would read something again, which is kind of a shame in some respects. So if you read it again, you wait so long, right? And here there's an opportunity to either read it or now, even with the audio version we just released, yes. this exquisite musical, original music soundtrack. I don't Have you been able to listen to the... To I've the, not listened to it, no. Now you make minute, me want to. <laughs> <laughs> there's a one-minute clip uh, already on uh, Amazon, you know, where you can okay. find the book, where you already can take a listen. And I think you would really enjoy it. It's spectacular, really. So uh, my, check my that it's my reading and uh, the original music soundtrack by Viara Ivanova Dietrich. And it's really, I mean, I, like, I can't get the music out of my head. It's so exquisitely beautiful. It's just a really another way, uh, you who's very sensitive to the reading also, uh, you're so multi-experiential. Uh, multi I love that. Uh, I, I think you and potentially your people listening here would enjoy that that way also. To tag that into your show notes as well, so people can hear that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So now you, I understand that you had some poetry that you'd like to share with us today. Uh, yeah, I brought three uh, three different uh, poems. Two are uh, about a half page long. The other one's a little little bit longer. Well, actually, no, maybe word wise, it's not. So you you tell me what would you like me to share? Just jump in. Just jump in. Okay. Yeah, a glass of water here. Go off screen so that the total focus is on you. Did you notice the crack of light? The doorway opened a crack. The light radiated through. I felt the heat behind the door. It launched me to the floor. How could I ignore the light? Nothing would keep me away, not fright. It was a choice to open it more, oh so slight. To explore further into this dark, mysterious night. Then the door opened itself a little more, as if to invite me inside to explore. I felt shivers to the center of my core. Something one just cannot ignore. Standing back up tall, Bracing myself against the wall, I felt within me a piercing, strong call. Feeling her on the other side, my baby doll. 
All I had to do was open the door to her. All I had to do was open the door for her. All I had to do was open the door with her. Did you notice the crack of light? Whoa, <laughs> that was very powerful. And, and, you know, it's open to the possibility. You know, if we take that one step, that so much good can come from that. I really like that. Great Thank message. Mm, yeah, gotta dare. Dare to take that one step, it's so true. And then the next. And then the next, but one step at a time, yeah. You got to notice it also, right? You, you have, to, see you have to notice it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be open, open to it. Yeah. There's another piece for us? Sure. The tickle within is hard to express while I want to now address the longings that I feel like I'm an onion on a new peel. Tears of pleasure and tension of the unrealized have come into my world materialized. Here with you today, may we find a delicate way to relish in our love play. This area has more than 50 shades of gray. May we savor every flavor, every moment in our favor. Simply love life here and now. Feel the wow. And there, from within arises, overcoming the head's disguises. You've got to love surprises. This life is full of prizes. What may make little sense still feels so very intense. Emotions within quite immense. I can feel without defense. But why retain a refrain that causes too much pain? Instead, allow the flow to carry me where I don't know. I'm anything but a taker, avoiding to live life as a, fa as a life faker. That's no longer in my DNA. I'm getting out of my own way. Everyone on, it's just like movement. We talk about the movement forward in life. Mm. I don't know if that's the message you were trying to convey, but it's what, we, what, what came to my mind. Enjoying the, all the different flavors of life and all it has to offer. Yeah. Without feeling as if you're a taker, right? Uh, it's maybe more like a receiver than a taker. But uh, you, you need to say yes to that, right? To that pleasure, to that opportunity, to, uh, to that little uh, tickle within. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have one more if, if you'd like, sure. Let's hear it. Yeah, okay. I can, I can hear you listen to you read poetry all day. You're quite a good reader. 
Oh, thank you, Lisa. It's lovely. Mention your prolific words. Uh, thank you. Love has a path all its own. Each finds their way along it. Sometimes we walk on it at the same time, same cadence, in the same direction. Others, we cross paths in other ways. And others, we are in love at unsynchronized times, no rhymes. Serendipity seems to rule the roast. We often later toast for the random way in which love entered our lives. There is a reason, for love is not a season. It's not to be used as self or other treason, never. It's often that feeling in the quiet, alone moments when there is no path to meet on, when the love you can sense, feel, and know, believe, trust, and savor within is just there, and you know it. It warms your innards. It puts that silly grin on your face. It muses you ahead to create, inspiring your why in life. It makes you feel loved, the mere concept of surrendering to it, always being present. Love is not the path you meet on. Love is you. Love is me. Love is forever to be. Amen. Mm. Very, very good point about love being who you are. You know, we are the, we are the essence of love. We are love. You know. Yeah. So many times, you know, there are different ways. You, you know, we talk about romantic love and people pursue that. But the person that we probably most need to be romancing are ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to treat ourselves as if we are deserving of love because we are. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me something about this. I, I saw on your website you have something called the Alive um, movement or something that you're working yeah it's it's called alivefulness which is which is my version of mindfulness let's call it that in some ways and it's really a, a way of being in the world that's involves presence of course and um awareness self awareness awareness uh, of what's going on within you and your own intimate relationship with yourself. And uh, at the same time, while we continue to, you know, love ourselves, let's say, and like ourselves, and, you know, cultivate ourselves and apply ourselves in the world in ways that make us feel alive, what for me matters is um, taking then that to the next dimension and really the social social ability of that and the sharing of that. It's almost, it's great to have joy within you. Well, we need to then externalize that and spread that and share that abundantly with others. You know, if we take care of our own cup and fill that and 
find a way that works for us to be uh, vibrant and full of uh, vitality and resilience. And, you know, it's kind of incumbent on us, I feel, to live a really full life is to then externalize that. There's a beautiful word. You're going to love this word if you don't know this, Lisa. In French, it's called allégresse. Um, allégresse means shared joy. So joy is great. You know, I'm, I want to be uh, joyful and I'm, I do everything I possibly can to work and cultivate on that and not block myself from being joyful. And at the same time, I want to be able to spread that and share that with others because that's what living is about. So it's kind of one thing to be able to go to an ashram in some mountain far off and meditate and work on your mindfulness and, and yourself. And we all need to do that. And I'm definitely involved in doing that in my own ways. And yet the the real life, real world application of that is in the demonstration of your everyday life and the way that you're living and the way you treat yourself and the decisions you make and, and how you connect with your emotional uh, vitality and, and the range within that, that you um, are every day um, playing with and dancing with to um, live the most beautiful life imaginable and realize that life has uh, its, its ups and downs and its challenges and, and really our spiritual playground as I see it, is actually in real life. Um, it's one thing to read a book about that. It's one thing to, you know, go to a seminar about that. But it's like, no, let's use real life to grow ourselves. To live it. It's you know, and live it. it. Yeah, and live it. And, and I think that living, the living in the real life experience is the most visceral way of learning for me. You know, it's the experiential. You actually, you know, uh, in there living that. So it's this kind of overlapping for me of, again, pleasure is one example of that, of allowing yourself to experience pleasure. While if we can make the pleasure purposeful, which means you have an intention that says, you know, I, I want this to be pleasure, maybe a little hedonic sometimes or not, but that you actually can overlay that with something that brings meaning to it and gives purpose to it. And uh, and that leads really to this performant life of a, a lifefulness really. So let me, I can give maybe a few examples, but I'll give some very rudimentary examples. I, I talk a lot about food because I, I cook quite a bit and that's part of the experiences that I do. And of course, as a pleasure person, this is one of the Epicurean um, beauty, culinary arts types of experiences that for me makes life, you know, sincerely beautiful and something that you can share with others as well as you know, even when you're by yourself, uh, giving that self-love through uh, through food and the way that you ceremonialize and make that an art form in itself, right? Uh, so, food, for example, I can I can have dinner and I can be you know not really attentive to what I'm uh, what I've purchased and prepared and how I prepared it uh, and then how I've actually plated it uh, and the table I'm actually eating on, how I've decorated that, you know, am I using quality fabric napkins? Am I using real uh, beautiful silverware? Am I making sure not to have any plastic or packaging uh, or anything with a label on my table that I'm ritualizing and beautifying and, uh, you know, bringing such a, a moment of, uh, of beauty and delight. And at the same time, because I've gotten somewhat strategic about it, uh, I'm eating something that's also nourishing, of course, for me. Already by the ceremonial lineup of all these things, you're you're almost 
preparing it so that it can only necessarily be a healthy, you know, nourishing uh, experience. And when we bring our presence to that, we suddenly take something from being purposeful, uh, pleasurable to actually being really purposeful. And I feel in my experience that we eat more healthily this way. We're more present to what we're eating. We get more joy out of it. There's more return on investment in this moment from the from the preparing to the cooking to the eating. Uh, and, you know, suddenly we have an, you know, an incredible lifestyle that we've actually built for ourselves. And a little caveat to that is, uh, and then I'll stop talking about food, but, you know, in the United States, one of the top uh, diets that is suggested in U.S. News and World Report every year is the Mediterranean diet. It's always like one, two, or three, right? I'm like, well, the Mediterranean diet, me living, you know, in a Mediterranean country, you know, sure, I live pretty much eating the Mediterranean diet more or less, even though I eat lots of different things. But uh, and it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a way of living. Uh, it's a way of being. It's a relationship with food and uh, the people who are creating it and the way that you share it with others and the love that you transmit through it. And so it's not a diet. I think that's a really inappropriate word for something that is a, a it's a really a way of uh, enjoying and savoring life and nourishing yourself fantastically along the way where you don't even realize it's not a diet. You're just living your life, right? And you're loving it. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It kind of, you kind of remind me um, in some of the philosophy of Leo Biscaglia. Have you heard of him? No, I haven't. no longer with us. Um, he was um, many years ago uh, a college professor, and he um, did what was called the Love Movement. And there's a book that he wrote called Love. But my favorite book of his is The Way of the Bull, and how he would go when he traveled. He didn't go um, first class. He wanted to live. Where, where the people lived he wanted to stay where the people stayed you know he wanted to get to know the people of the countries that he went to um and so the, hence the, the title the way of the bull he went his own way and with you know without all the, the frills and all of that and the book is just amazing i mean the experience that he had what, one of the things that he was really emphatic about was just the importance of love and expressing your love and um, relishing moments like he um, had a you know his college class that they were not really getting it and it was like a fall day and he he brought leaves into the classroom and had them crunch them under the feet so they could experience that which <laughs> <nature> <laughs> had brought them. that is genius I love that cherish that moment you know of appreciating <laughs> that one thing yeah. that we just take for granted. And yeah. you know, just keeping it simple and, you know, just going much more organic in life, uh, you know. And, he, you know, his I obviously studied a lot of his, his uh, material, his books and stuff. Yeah. He really, to me, um, I don't know if you're a religious person or not, um, it really probably doesn't really factor into this except that, he's been kind of related to the person that if a, a human form in that day and age were to exhibit the love of Jesus, that would be Leo Vascaglia as his examples that he would set. Mm. But, 
Yeah. I, lo I love that, Lisa, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up that book uh, as soon as possible because that resonates with me beyond uh, what you could imagine because I've, I've traveled extensively in my life. I've had that opportunity and also made that choice. Uh, with my wife, we traveled, you know, so much. And, you know, we live relatively comfortably in Paris, and we would often choose to travel in a way that was challenging in a way that was, call it, uh, voluntary deprivation, more for the experience of the exoticness uh, and to disconnect from the everyday life we were living, to have a real pattern break, to have a different experience and to be more, you know, local, right? Yeah. You know, it's yes. traveling when you're going to seek the same level of comfort or even potentially more and I don't know everyone has their own level of living and their own style and all this I think is in as much as you're in a place to be able to choose that and there's so many levels of that in the world right depending on where you travel how you travel you know if you go to a place like India or Africa uh, you can go in very protected circumstances uh, you know the five stars and you know you you know the air conditioning and like yeah I the, the food is almost like the food you eat at home almost. Yeah, this kind of stuff is is not expanding your uh, appreciation of the diversity of life, the levels of life, uh, the variety. And I'm sure Leo talks about this, this, uh, this kind of ability to love all different kinds of experience in life and not to be in this sort of yuck, you know, this kind of thing. It's for me, it's a real life living form of equanimity to be able to go travel in a way that's, um, you know, where you usually don't want to go. It's almost like you don't want to go into those negative thoughts because you don't want to feel that. Well, traveling is the most visceral way, and particularly through your senses, to actually have an experience that's going to hit a lot of buttons. Like a lot of people are very sensitive to texture and food, right? So, you know, when you travel, there's lots of things that can test. I mean, in France, there's all sorts of textural stuff I could uh, serve you that's absolutely delicious if you can get beyond, you know, the texture from uh, oysters to brains to, you know, tails to liver. To, I mean, yeah, just goes on and on and on. So I, I really believe in that and, and also as an expansion self-growth kind of like to be able to to be able to allow yourself to experience more of life uh, in this way I feel allows your emotional capacity to enlarge it and it takes you a lot less out of this fight or flight kind of reaction a very judgmental way of seeing the world again you kind of go into a bit of a a form of um equanimity where you stop being so judgmental, when you stop being only attracted to some things and repulsing others, but you're actually living it. So it's like, hey, let's try this. Let's expand. Let me expand my own range. So like, why go read a book about that? Why go, uh, you know, do a seminar? About it? I was like, again, use real life to grow yourself. So we're, you know, pleasure purpose thing again for performance. And so desensitization is that the word desensitization is really useful here, just like how we get through allergies, right? Um, the allergy treatment, uh, if you go into a hospital or something, is they 
will poke you right with the different things uh you know horses uh dogs cats uh a hay fever bloody and then it explodes and you see which ones you're allergic to okay then you actually go in for a treatment and what happens for the treatment to teach your system to not go every time it gets you know attracted by something because allergy is kind of an overreaction to a threat right threat, right Mm-hmm. And, so and so this desensitization in the real world is well, what if you allow yourself, wow, I'm hearing an echo now, um, is allowing yourself to little by little try things that are a little bit outside of your comfort zone. And in doing so, you start to give yourself a way more eclectic, juicy, um, like, you know, kind of rugged way of being able to experience the world, right? So you're not the one who's just saying yuck, you know, and you're, <laughs> you start to go into more also on the pleasure side and the experience side through the senses again, you start to not just say, I really don't like that or I really like this. Well, give me three things. Give me three expressions of what you like about it. Like with wine, you taste a glass of wine. Wow, that's really good. Okay, but what makes this one unique compared to this other glass? Tell me three things about the color, the uh, the way it feels on your tongue. You know, what are you smelling? Is there some fruits and things, et cetera? And so, again, it's for me, it's like this opening up to giving yourself a more rainbow, myriad, multidimensional depth with experience of life. And it sounds like Leo is is going into that for if we love life, and we want to love as much of it as possible and not, you know, close off by fear or um, anxiety of some sort or something else that troubles us. And it doesn't mean that I don't have my preferences for things in life, but you can enlarge in that way beyond all of us at our own level, way beyond our current existence and live a way more expansive, uh, you know, vibrant, kind of daring, adventuresome life that's not just sort of mono mono in some way go beyond the the preset boundaries that we have Mm. you know to just get beyond that yeah well david i think i could probably sit and talk with you for hours but i think i am (laughs) going to bring this to a close i want to thank you so much for coming on here today and I, uh, when are you heading back over to to France? Oh, I don't, I don't know yet. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Lisa, so much. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Come back again soon. Would you like to be on our podcast? Send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com and we'll get back to you soon. Thank you. Have a good day.